All right, welcome to another episode of Catholic Mindset, where we create Catholic content for Catholics. Today we have Ivana Gill. She's a Catholic music artist. We're going to get to know her and her work. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, I feel extremely blessed to be here. And thank you for having me here and inviting me. It's great to have you. I know we've been going back and forth and we finally made it. We finally did it. Uh, we'd like to ask all our guests here to lead us in prayer. Do you mind? Yes. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. To your Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for every single breath that you give us and for each moment that we're able to cherish with you as your creation. Lord, help us to remember that you have perfectly designed this world for us as the pinnacle of the creation to take care of um, this world, to grow more with you, to spread the name of Jesus throughout the earth, and to remember what our purpose is, which is to evangelize and to help people get closer to you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. So we like to start here with a question. And the question is, what does your heart desire the most? So I would have to say that my heart desires, I think, two things. The number one thing is, of course, God, um, to feel in oneness with God more and more every day, because I feel like as a creation of God, when you're away from your creator, you're not in tune. There's imbalance. There isn't that like joyfulness in knowing that you're with God. I also have a great desire for family. Uh, if God, if God allows me um, to get married and all of those things, uh, I would absolutely love to like raise a family with like a strong foundation. So, and I know that that is something that I love uh, because I was with the Sisters of Charity in New Mexico, and I was in their chapel. And I was like, Lord, what is it that I like really want? Like what, or what is it that you want for me? Like help me figure it out, right? Because sometimes what we want isn't what he wants. So it's us trying to align with his will for us, right? And then I just see an image of the sacred family, um, Joseph, Mary, and uh, Jesus. And I'm just looking at it and I'm looking at it and something in my heart was just like deeply moved and I was like I want that you know and I have that with my family but it's different like when you feel called to that you know like with your own family like raising your own kids you know awesome so how did it all start this journey into into becoming a music artist and running your music and, and all that fun stuff well I started super, super young. I started when I was about four years old singing. I actually started singing when I was four years old. Um, <laughs> I would grab the fake karaoke mics that we had at home. I would grab brushes, toothbrushes, whatever I could get my hands on. I think even spoons. Uh, <laughs> and I would just sing <laughs> to, or try to sing, you know, at four years old. And, um, but it was more like Hispanic artists. Like my mom listened to a lot of Hispanic music because we're Hispanic, right? 
So I remember I would try singing Paulina Rubio or something like that. It was really funny. Um, and then when I got to the age of seven, I was a part of Our Lady of Lords Catholic Church um, in terms of like the elementary school and the parish, you know, and the school had auditions for their children's choir. I made it, you know, and I think that's where God really started to to like pull me in and already start to use me to minister to other people, I think in a way through my voice, right? With all the other children. Um, I think there's something beautiful um, about people using their gifts, but especially beautiful when children are given the opportunity to use what God has given them as well, which I don't think um, I've seen too much of, uh, to be honest. And when I got into the choir, it was pretty amazing because I, I remember that I had so much to learn. Like I had been in choir until I was 18 years old or something like that. I, I high school choir then kept going. And at the same time, I started joining the worship group at St. John Newman. And yeah, because my really, really impactful encounter with Jesus I think that was like my really big turnaround was at that age um, during an Angeles de Agape retreat. And after that, I was just like, God gave me my life, so I have to give it back. Hey, can you can you share with us uh, your encounter with Christ moment? You mentioned at the at the retreat, at the Agape retreat. Yeah. Uh, so during that time, and during that uh, period, I was um, bullied a lot, like a lot. Um, and also there were like problems at home that weren't really related with me, but I just felt like everywhere I went, there was just like extreme, just outpouring mm -hmm. um, and struggle because it's like thinking, oh, is the home gonna stay together is uh, does anybody care for me at school, you know? And that's like the simple way of putting it, right? And you may not know exactly what someone said to you, but you'll remember how they made you feel. That was me back then, like, a lot. Um, so I got into a mind space where I started believing the enemy's lies, right? Because um, the enemy will use other people as devices to get to you as well as God using people to also get to you. So um, there was a point where I had decided that I was going to take my own life, um, which was also incited by other individuals in different ways. Um, and at one point I said, well, maybe this world would be better without me. It was like, what, what can I actually like give? Like, God, I know you're out there, but like, what about me? Like, am, am, am I that special? Like, am I like, what? Like, what? Like, who am I? I think that's what it came down to. I started losing my identity and my identity, I think, in Christ. Like, I just didn't have a clear line. So um, I had made that choice. And when I was going to go through with it, my mom had started her conversion process uh, by doing an Emmaus retreat. And one of her Emmaus sisters had 
her daughters in St. John Newman. And she invited me to go on a youth retreat. Mind you, nobody knew what was going on in my head. Because I think sometimes when people suffer, whether they're to that degree or not, they actually close the doors and they don't share what's actually in their heart. And the worst thing is when um, sin or when suffering is placed in silence, it only grows more within the person. I think there needs to be some sort of outlet or thing to be done, whether it's through prayer, confession, sharing it with a friend, um, sharing it with a parent, you know? So they had no idea. And it was like the perfect time. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll go to this retreat. I was like, because I love Jesus, right? But I had problems loving myself. Uh, so I went and I just felt this overwhelming love um, from Christ and from God, especially uh, during one of the days in the retreat um, that in detail shall not be spoken. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, y'all. Secrecy behind the retreats is real. <laughs> um, and I just felt the Holy Spirit just like fill my heart. It almost felt like a, a burning fire, almost like refiner's fire, like when gold is put into the fire to be made, right? Um, and after that, of course, I had to put my stuff forward just, and my steps forward to try to like get better um so i had to like share it with like my family and like different things uh, i started going to the guidance counselor at school and then i would just my my songs like my my life song became god's like every time i would open my mouth would be for god and i i have never wanted to go back like it's it really interesting because even during my retreat, as a participant, one, they let me in, I think, one year before they're supposed to let people in. Like, I wasn't at the age gap, uh, at the age um, requirement yet. Yes, it sounds like you were well-connected. Uh, I don't know how it happened. I'm, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> God, God <laughs> made things happen. Um, and... I, I went and during my retreat, they actually asked me to sing. They, yes, yes, because I was messing around trying to like sing, sing something else. And they heard me and they said, we want you to actually sing with our group, like our worship band that's here. And I said, for real? And they said, yeah. So I went, I started singing with them for my own retreat. And then I would sit down and then whatever would go on in the retreat would go on. Um, so God has always found a way to to just bring me closer to him, especially through music. And then after that, my music became more like prayerfulness, right? Because to write music, you have to be prayerful. You can't just, oh, I'm just going to go on a paper. Like It ends up being like in the movies where you grab the paper and you crumple it up and you're always throwing it backwards. So I asked God, I'm like, please be my co-writer. Let me be your co-writer because I can't do things without you. What a journey. What a journey. So so as as you get, get keep getting older, right? Yeah. Because we were talking about your retreat experience was around... 13. 13. And then after that, you know, your life changed, of course. Yeah. You know, you're, you're here now yeah. doing all this awesome, amazing work. Um. 
What what was the next step after that? Whew, um, I turned into the nickname. I, I don't even know who gave it to me. I was called the retreat baby. Retreat baby. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I say that because after that retreat, I just wanted more of Jesus. Like, And my mom wanted more of Jesus and everybody in our house, because everybody at the same time started like turning more to God because my little sister was born. Uh, my little sister, uh, Alexandra, has Down syndrome. So when she was born, it literally was the catalyst for my mom wanting to be a better parent, seeking God, my mom pulling my dad in, my parents pulling us in. And we were in Catholic school already, so it helped a lot. Uh, thank you for all the Carmelite sisters in high school. Love you. Um, <laughs> and... I mean, it was just a very transformative experience and I turned into the retreat baby. So I started going to retreats almost like every weekend or every other weekend, um, either as a server or as a participant. And it was, it, it was, uh, I think I did like over a hundred and something retreats, 150 retreats or something. Wow. Yeah. So it was like nonstop. And then I think it just became a part of who I am. And then I just didn't even remember that person who I used to be. That's awesome. Yeah. How old is Alex? Alex? Yeah. Alexandria? Yeah. Alexandra was born in 2002. So she is old right now. She is old. I feel like she's so big right now. She's, she's like this. She's half my size. Right? Yeah. So she's a full grown adult, but literally she's she, her because she has Down syndrome, she her frame is very small. She looks like a small child and she's so smart. And I don't think when I've had conversations with people, sometimes they'll almost show like pity. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, oh, I'm so sorry she has Down syndrome. I was like, no, it's actually a, a joy. It's different. You know, um, it's it hasn't always been easy. Like my little sister, um, when she was in my mom's belly, she um, her heart wasn't completely formed. Like it was literally like just open. <laughs> um, and the doctor had told my mom, hey, you know, I don't think she's going to make it. Like, I'm pretty sure she's not going to make it. You know, there's very low chance i mean your heart is what keeps your whole body going yeah. um and my mom was on her bed i digressed a little bit but my mom was on the bed and um, my uncle and my aunt prayed over her stomach with my dad this was before she had like a uh, i think more getting more into, uh, into into um church and jesus but they prayed over her and my mom felt like Alexandra started wiggling in, in her stomach, but like rapidly, like something was going on. Um, and she went back to her doctor's appointment and he's like, I don't know how this happened. He's like, this is like miraculous. Like her heart is pretty much almost completely closed. So they only had to go in to sew a little bit um, when she was born. Um, they had to cut her open and go in and fix her heart. But had it not been for the radical 
um, growth, like her heart just coming together out of nowhere. Well, not out of nowhere. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, um, I, I don't, I don't know how our family would be. It's very different. Um, so yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things that when people tell me about when they have kids with Down syndrome or they experience or they work with, I mean, they're, they say they're one of the most lovable individuals out there as well, that the way they love, it's different, but it's very warm and it's very kind. Yeah. Yeah. It, she, like, she, she could do no wrong. Um, I think the only time I've seen her a little bit spicy is if someone tries to, like, grab a fry or something from her plate and then she'll be like, hey, that's mine. <laughs> she's so funny. Um, and she's not super verbal. Um, but the moments she does say things, they're like really perfect. They're like very timely. Um, like let's say if someone's having a disagreement at home, she'll just turn around and she'll say, be quiet. <laughs> Which I think in silence, people uh, grow a little more wiser, right? Be slow, slow to speak, um, and slow... <laughs> and slow to anger so so as as we continue as we progress into your into your life journey so when did i guess from singing in in in, in the choir and, and and church and doing the retreats at what point did you like fork out into your own i don't know it's just always been like meshed i would say maybe in my 20s that's when i really started being like more like my own artist especially within the last year i've started releasing my own music i started releasing some covers and like one song or one or one or two songs with jonathan narvaez uh which he's really really good um at producing music he has produced music with a couple well a lot of different catholic artists in the spanish catholic scene and I started doing um, that with him. And then afterwards, uh, right now, I'm working with a different producer. And that's pretty much been like the last year or so. And I've kind of been trying to discover a little bit by little bit um, my sound, right? Or what what is the sound that God wants me to do? Okay. I'm still trying to figure it out a little bit. Because uh, I don't I don't know if I necessarily like putting myself in a box. I'm just like, God, let this come out the way you want it to come out. I've been trying to record for a few years now. So it's not that I hadn't started the journey earlier. It's just officially, I think, within the last year, I've actually released music. But I did have a moment in time where I tried to release um, music. But unfortunately, the person I was working with before... Um, I don't know if they had things going on in their life or they were trying to literally rob me. I think it might be the latter, if I'm being honest. Um, and they were not giving me my music for like two or three years. Uh, I had gone, uh, paid them uh, for a few songs and I had to like chase after them, like trying to find, hey, how can I get this music back? You know, because uh, I think you work really, really hard as a musician um, and people, different people have different dreams and they work hard for their dreams, right? So imagine if somebody tries to take that away after the amount of work you put in. Um, it's unjust. 
So uh, thankfully, uh, God found a way for me to get in contact with the right person that happened to have a copy of the file, of the song files, and I was able to get those back. Um, because during that time period, it was really difficult um, to wait for that um, no, because songs aren't supposed to take that long to come back. You know, um, there's, there's one thing to say, Hey, like maybe a month or two, even though that's still like a stretch, unless it's a really big company, right. That's working with multiple artists, but when it's a smaller company, um, and that's not really the time frame. So yes, I had tried to record a while back, um, and ran into a lot of struggles, a lot of problems. I almost gave up at one point if I'm being honest, because I was, I was so disappointed. I, I was like, this, it, why? Like, I literally, I finally take the first step to record because honestly, as a musician, you get nervous. It's like, what are people going to think about the music? Um, <laughs> but I did it, you know? Um, and when I finally did it, then that happened. And I was like, you know what? God, it's in your hands. Your, your promises never fail your plans um, and what you promise is consistent. The things that change are people or situations, not God. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm putting this in your hands. I'm going to try my best um, and we'll see how it goes. Um, and then at one point I said, no, I'm not going to quit and give up because somebody literally decides to be kind of an evil person. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just, I kept going. I found Jonathan, um, thank God, um, a person who is really centered in Christ, very considerate, um, and has a heart, uh, for the Lord, a very big heart for the Lord. Um, and then now I'm here. Awesome. Yeah. And you, you recently had a concert. I did. I did. Is concert number one, number two, or? So I've done concerts before. Uh, I've also done a lot of work with Epic the Band. Um, they stand for Eternal Power in Christ. So I've done a lot of things with them. I've traveled. And then this recently, I had my first concert, if I'm not mistaken, July 8th in Good Shepherd Catholic Church. I was able to have a couple of other Catholic artists join me. So we had Said Nassar from Venezuela. We had Alfredo Costa from Colombia fly in. We had Rooted, uh, the band uh, from Good Shepherd. It was pretty amazing. It was, it was really different. Um, we wanted to make it a diverse concert. So we had English and Spanish be a part of it. We had dancers come in, contemporary. I was just really excited. It was a lot of work. Music is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> and you, there's a lot of work that comes uh, before the actual, oh, you stand there and, and worship and pour your heart out because uh, I think there's a lot of logistics, but actually physically as a singer, you feel extremely tired afterwards. Like it, it's tiring because you're, you're putting your heart, your mind, like just everything and I'm so happy it happened. I really am. Oh, I, I mean, I, I was able to see some of uh, the content you put up on on your stories about your show and everything. It looked pretty cool. But uh, what what would you say was the 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 most challenged part of setting it up and the part you enjoyed the most? Hmm. I would say 
What is the hardest part of setting it up? Your own concert for the first time, yeah. Well, um, I didn't have too many team members. I think it was like a team of two or three, four, you know. Of course, we had angels help us along the way, but like consistently working almost 24-7, maybe like two or three people. So that's a lot for two or three people. Um, and when we got there, the setup, I mean, we had to lay out a whole bunch of chairs. I'm, I, as the artist, um, I also was like trying to set up things, carrying boxes. Um, <laughs> it's really funny. My family came and they started helping. And my nephew, without us asking him, he's super small, okay? He's super small. He's like three. And he picks up a box and he's like, I want to help too. <laughs> I, and it, it was just, I think the physical labor of like having to pick up boxes, putting the actual stage together, um, a really, really close person to me and my father put it together for like two days under the blazing sun just hammering and putting the floor part together and then the metallic part came on the top so and it's just it was great it was it was a really a lot of things to learn for sure for the first time uh definitely learned a lot of different things uh the we had a couple of sponsors uh that i actually I'm super grateful for. We had Light Your Life Tees that donated shirts so that we could like throw them into the crowd. Uh, we had Little Flower Art uh, that she gave like a mug and a rosary. She's amazing. Um, she's consecrated. Her name's Andrea. She's um, from the group of La Espiritualidad de los Hijos de la Madre de Dios, which in English is like the spirituality of the children of the mother of God. Um, and, you know, we had somebody donate the banner, which was really awesome because the banners economically are, you know, we're, we're a little, little stretch, you know. So I think God took care of everything. Uh, of course, there were things that didn't go right. We were supposed to put up the lights, if I'm being honest. And there were a couple of cables missing and then we couldn't use the lights. Uh, even though it was outdoors, there's special lights that are circular and can actually be positioned in the correct way so that people can see them. So there were a couple of things. Our equipment overheated. It was kind of hot that day. It was extremely, extremely hot. Um, I felt like a roasted chicken. <laughs> honestly, honestly. Um, it was so hot that actually our our laptop, our mixer, we had to, it stopped working for a few minutes, and we had to take a pause. Um, all of you are finding out the details now, um, and we actually put an ice pack. We had to put a bag of ice under the computer, okay, and put like some sort of cloth under it, of course, so the computer doesn't get wet. So the computer got cold and actually we were able to continue with the concert. So the the amount of um, things happening. All these little fires that you have to turn. Yeah. 
thankfully, I don't think it was too noticeable. Uh, I think we managed it fairly well, but uh, these things happen behind the scenes. There's things that happen backstage. Um, uh, so yeah. You know, I think everybody, everybody with a smartphone in their pocket can attest to the fact that when it's super hot and your phone is out or you are in, in the grass in the park and you're your phone heats up, it slows down. Yeah. It slows down. It, it Sometimes it'll even give you a warning and tell you it's too hot. Yeah. It won't work. Yeah. So it, it's, you know. Too, we had too, never too. had that happen. We we had done like five or four sound checks uh, prior in different ways, different locations. And we got there the day of. And then there was just electrical things. And I was like, Jesus, take the wheel. Right. <laughs> But everybody was super happy at the end. Everybody grabbed um, the colorful scarves we had because um, I I described to them that something that I wanted for the concert was color and why I think about the movie The Giver. It was, it's almost illegal to like show emotions. And I told them, I told uh, everybody sitting there ready to worship and ready to praise that this world sometimes might look like it's just like black and white, dull of color, right? But the Lord has made each of us different in our own ways with purpose to like live for him. And we can add more color into the world. That was something I said, probably a little corny, but um, that we are the light of the world, that we can make a difference in the way that we live our lives and the way that we choose to live our lives every single day with our families, in our workplaces, with our friends, and even with strangers. The way you look at someone, the way you listen to them, the way that you might embrace them can be something that makes a difference for someone. So that our concert was called Be The Light. And that was the whole message behind the concert. And everybody at the, at the end was just dancing, just waving their scarves. And it was, it was really beautiful to see that. So that was concert number one. Very exciting. Well, a lot of lessons learned, I'm sure. So now when is number two? One is number two. So I hope that some churches will reach out to us. We're also reaching out to churches right now so that we're able to do a second concert. Uh, I would love, I would personally love to do a concert at St. John Newman. We'll see. We'll see. And, you know, right now I'm actually set up to do a retreat in St. Maximilian Colby, um, I think in a few weeks from now, I can't quite remember the date because we just set it up, uh, but I'm very excited for that too. So you're still doing retreats? Yeah. You're still working on the retreats and then you're working on your music? Yes. Right. So how many retreats are you doing a year, would you say? Oh, goodness. That's a really difficult question. I just, I feel like I don't stop sometimes. Like. I'll, I've been helping the Mayo sisters with theirs. Um, right now, I came back from Catholic Heart Work Camp. I was with them for an entire week. Uh, right now, I'm helping St. Max. Um, I mean, I would say at least one per month at minimum. Uh, but I end up helping with youth groups in between that, right? So you're you're not you're not like committing to like one group like Emmaus, for example, doing all Emmaus. You're, you're helping yeah. Groups. Oh yeah, for sure, okay. for sure. Uh, I am a my I do migration, <laughs> <laughs> music migration. 
So this year I've been focused a lot on mission trips. So I've been able to do Kentucky with Catholic Mission Trips, Inc. Uh, Kentucky, New Mexico. I went to Dominican Republic. And I mean, Virginia, West Virginia was, was nice too. So just been focusing more on that and also building myself at home. And when you go to help in these retreats, is this in correlation with your music? Like your role is to like take care of the music part? Yeah. Normally it's always music. Uh, although for some retreats, I've also done public speaking uh, and I'll give them a talk. Uh, let's say a girl's talk or uh, a talk on chastity or a talk on who am I um, or identity? Um, where are we going now? And things of that nature. So I actually love public speaking. I love public speaking. My first talk uh, and when I started getting training for public speaking was a when I was 13. So something that our group at St. John Newman would do for the younger kids uh, was that before they would ever get up to give a talk, let's say in a retreat, they would go through um, training and core group meetings and they would go to the core group meetings, present the talks and literally be dissected um, to get better. And then over time, they were training us to be leaders, uh, tiny leaders, um, through service, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, you said the talks were identity, chastity. Um, chastity, who am I? Uh, you know, like self, uh, yeah. And then who is Jesus, right? The identity of Jesus. Um, also, where am I going? So what's the after, right? Because sometimes, for example, we'll get to know Jesus during a retreat. But now what comes next? Like, what are we doing? Where are we going? And I think that's super important too. I've also done talks on pro-life topics. Actually, my first talk was on the topic of abortion and pro-life. Uh, so that was my first talk ever. Super heavy topic. Um, but I love that topic uh, because I believe that life is extremely valuable. I think that you're never too young to say that life is sacred. And yeah, I remember that talk very vividly. That first talk? Oh, yeah. Wow. Wow. So we're doing music, we're doing concerts, and now you also do your supporting retreats with music and talks. Yeah. So... So pre-podcast, you were telling me you just recently got a van, a van so you can tour. Yeah. Right. So is this, is this a Scooby-Doo style van for those that know who Scooby-Doo is? <laughs> no, this is like a big bus. Like this is a big bus. Like a, yeah. a it, it looks like a big RV tour bus. Uh, it has a lot of different compartments at the bottom where you can fill it with bags and instruments and speakers. Uh, the inside has like a cool like beige carpet. Uh, it has a bed. It has a refrigerator. It has literally everything. It, it's pretty much a mobile home. So I'm very excited. I hope to be using it very frequently for travel and for touring. So uh, I'm I'm happy. I'm very excited. So I, I guess who who goes in the van? Who goes in the van? Herpes. Fans. 
<laughs> so it would be me, uh, the, the driver, and then the bandmates, right? Uh, of course, uh, if the bandmates are opposite gender, they're going to have to go on the other side of the bus and I will yeah. be at the other of side course. of the bus. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, but yes. And if my family members want to come and be a part of the tour, I mean, they're more than welcome. <laughs> because, because right now it's just, I guess it's just you as an artist, right? Yeah. So let's say you do set up a, let's say in Orlando. Okay. And so you got your van. Yeah. You're going to go to Orlando. So yeah. do, do you just go by yourself? Would you do that? Or what, this depends on, on what you set up over it, there? How does that? It depends. It would it would absolutely depend. I would either have to be on the bus by myself or if I have people here, musicians here that are more close to the location, I'd more likely take them with me over there, right? Um, because... It's, it's different. Like when you're working with your own group of musicians, they're like your trusted musicians. They know your music back and forth. When you're working with new musicians, it's good. If you're going to like really, really far locations, why? Um, because it's very different taking a whole band together than going as one person and then meeting up with the musicians over there and not having to deinstall everyone because as adults, we have schedules and not everybody always has the same schedule. Also, as a musician, there are different worship artists that have like different goals, right? Some of it, some of them see it as a hobby. Some of them see it as like an everyday thing. And for me, hopefully I can do this every single day, right? If I'm not worshiping at church right now, I'm actually working as a teacher, like a music teacher. But I hope that this is something that I can do at least for a year, like on a regular basis. And the people who would go on the bus, only God knows. So that's cool because in your concert, in your first concert, it was you and you, you told me that you also had additional artists that yes. as well. Yeah. I guess you could go to a church in Orlando and be like, okay, I can, this is, this is what I do, but I could also, you bring other artists together and it will, will show up. Absolutely. Absolutely. To have that open space for them. So this has been amazing to get to know you and your story and your journey with music, you know, which we, we look forward to more. Um, here on the show, we have a closing question of what is your favorite part of your faith, of your spirituality? Hmm. I believe my favorite part is being able to, to experience God's love. I know that's such like an easy way of saying it but it's truly that because in this world there is a lack of love and it's very true you see it every day in families families that experience divorce in friends that betray other friends in in moments where there's just like pure evil robbery murder abortion and even human love, even a person who knows God and tries to love another person will never have an offer of perfect love. They can try and they'll do maybe a fairly good job if they have a close relationship to God. But God's love is like an infinite love. It's a faithful love. It's a hopeful love. It's a love that's never ending. And 
I've had the blessing to experience that. Maybe not everyone has, but I think the fact that we have a chance to get on the train and to make it to the destination, that we have the opportunity to experience love, uh, is beautiful. And I think that's a beautiful part of being human and being God's creation. So I don't think sometimes we appreciate the fact that we have the chance to love God, that that's even an option, that we have the chance to love other people and see other people through God's eyes with that love. Because the love that we're able to give to others as a Catholic, uh, it comes from God. God is working through you to get to other people, to love other people. So I think that would be my favorite part of my faith. And I, I was saved like when I was 13 by his love. And I think if everyone just put a grain of love every single day for their neighbor, uh, for their enemies, and for everybody they encounter, even if it's just a little bit, even if it's just a smile or something as simple as holding a door open for someone, I think the world would be a much better place. So I think that's one of my favorite parts. And I love the Eucharist during Mass, <laughs> especially being bloody, able bloody. to go to the chapel. Being able to go to the chapel and have being that silent time with, with Christ, absolutely. Uh, actually, in my high school, in my old high school with the Carmelite sisters, uh, Archbishop Coleman Carroll, they have a chapel at the center of the high school. And I completely fell in love with Jesus even more. Like I'd actually skip school lunch and maybe make it to the last few minutes of lunch to go to the chapel. Um, there's there's a beauty in in the silence of prayer, you know, just that communication. So, yeah. Thank you, Van. I appreciate you coming coming this way on a, on a Sunday to record and um, and to share your story. Thank you. Thank you for having me.